0: I'm talking to Sarah Manette and uh, Elizabeth Bear, creators of the stories Mongoose, which was the 2011 Drabblecast People's Choice Award winner, uh, as well as the story Boojum and the Wreck of the Charles Dexter Ward*, which was a unique story commission by the Drabblecast uh, to continue this series. And it's a unique and awesome opportunity to speak to you two ladies uh, due to the huge fan following, which is very uh, engaged in the, the series that you've created here. This is a, uh, it's a fascinating space opera you've developed that draws from Lewis Carroll and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Uh, and its setting and its world building is you know, just fantastic. You've got giant and uh, deadly dimension-shifting creatures. An interesting shady colonial space government uh, alluded to now and then. And uh, certainly reanimated corpses are in the mix. And a science gone awry. And space pirates and Migo. Harvesting still conscious brains, which is something I'm always about. People eat this stuff up like uh, like rats gobble down toads. And uh, the <laughs> the has cast have been fortunate enough so far to have been able to produce in full cast, full audio all the stories that you've set in this universe so far. And it's it's a uh, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to you both about this body of work. So uh, let's let's back up a bit before we get into bander snatches and, and boojums and such. How did how did the two of you ladies meet?
1: Well On the Internet. Yes. <laughs> On the Internet, wow. On the Internet, where everything happens. Yeah. Um, when Bear was writing, um, I'm sorry, I always think of it as Kitten Will Go to Hell. <laughs> <laughs> what what's the actual title? The the actual title of the of, of, of the
2: duology is uh uh The Stratford Man. Oh. And the first book is Ink and Steel, and the second book is Hell and Earth. I'm not actually any better at remembering the titles because they've been changed about six million times. <laughs> um, but yes, the, the working title was uh, was Kitten Will Go to Hell, uh, <laughs> Kitten Will's Bogus Journey. Uh, Sarah was at that point in time working on her uh, PhD dissertation, which concerned the Elizabethan theater, and a mutual live journal friend. Uh, and, I, and neither one of us can remember who it was at this point in time that that's lost to history. Decided that the two of us, with our rants about regular blog rants about Shakespeare, needed to know each other. Mm. Um, and it turned out that that was absolutely the case. Yes. As as we sort of bounced and stuck and have become very fast friends since what about 2002?
1: Yeah, about yeah. 2002, 2003.
2: No kidding, it was that long god, ago. God, we've known
1: each other for 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> My god.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we we just kind of I think we we started writing together um because of a discussion we got into with it's all Joe Walton's fault. It's oh. all Joe Walton's fault. because we got into a uh, discussion with with her also on the internet uh regarding um Gender roles in uh, traditional companion animal fantasy and and how they're kind of weird and screwed up, and we started writing, and creepy, yes, Um, and we started writing uh, A Companion to Wolves sort of as a joke, as a reaction to that, and to say it was going to be a novella, you know, we were just going (laughs) to knock out 20,000 words. We got to the end of the 20,000 words, we were having so much fun, we kept going. So <laughs> and then there's there's, let's see, there's an unpublished y a novel that yep. we ought to do something with one of these days. One of these and, days in
1: our copious spare time. Mm-hmm.
2: yes, and and a, a number of short stories at this point. four four
1: short four. stories, five, four. I think the three, the Three Boojum Stories and Isle of Dogs.
2: Yes, and and three novels, uh, soon hopefully yeah. to be four.
0: Well, isn't that neat, though, that a lot of times uh, writers that are current in the field get to know each other via commenting on each other's blogs and uh, just different feedback they get from uh, various publishings they've had. Uh, how do you guys feel about that, like collaborations in the future, how, how people might meet via the internet like this
2: um well the uh, the thing was that that sarah and i were actually both kind of on the cusp of of making the jump to you know full-time professional writer oh. uh, when we met because okay. neither one of us had sold a novel yet we both had a couple of short stories published hmm. um and and we're starting to build a little bit of a reputation
0: but uh this is back you know, in the pre-Mongoose days. This is, this is oh, yes. long, yeah. Long
2: before. Yes. Yeah, this was this – was, and then uh, within like a couple of months of each other in 2003, uh, Sarah sold the Doctrine of Labyrinths and I sold the Jenny Casey books. Um, I, I think like you sold in August or September and I sold in November, something like that. Mm. It was real close. Yeah. It was real close. Um and and then, you know, we were just kind of... We were on a roll. We bonded. Yeah. We were, you know, we, we were at the same point in our careers and, and going through a lot of the same nonsense. And uh, um, I don't know. I mean, writing is a lonely business. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of us get... Other than when we're at conventions, um, most of us get our industry news and our our uh, gossip and our um, information on what's going on in our, our friends and colleagues' lives through the internet, either through blogs or through mailing lists or through Twitter or, you know, well, social media of some yeah. sort. And um, unless you
1: live in New York or Boston, you are very, very, very yeah. unlikely to be even in the same city as your friends or the same state. Right.
2: Yeah, there's there's a couple of towns that are real, uh, real big, science fiction fantasy writer sinks. Like the Portland area has a bunch. Seattle has a bunch. Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, hmm. um, Boston, New York, uh, but. It's it's you know we 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 tend to live in cheap parts of the country, yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and widely dis- dispersed. Um, yes, I, yeah, I'm technically a Boston area writer, but I live, uh, uh you know, an hour outside of Boston. Sarah's a, a Madison writer, but she lives half an hour outside of Madison. Um, the uh, it's it's uh, it's um, it's not that high paying of a career, so <laughs> it just isn't. <laughs> um. You know, there's there's a reason we all live out in the boondocks, <laughs> yes. yeah,
1: and and all of our social life is on the internet, yes, or or at conventions, yes.
2: Um, so I I don't think it's anything different than than how it's how it's been for the past fifty years. It's just that we're doing doing a lot of this conversation um, via email rather than via the post or via fanzines. Yeah,
1: yes. yeah, uh, we're a lot you know, closer to real time, but. It's yeah. The same, it's the same thing happening. Yes. People used to have pen
2: pals, you know, in the industry. Yeah. Uh, James Tiptree Jr., um, Alice Sheldon, carried on long, elaborate correspondences with any number of people, um, some of whom were extremely shocked to find out that she was a she. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely.
2: You know, who, people who had considered her friends for
0: years. Um as James Tiptree. The two of you met on the internet and uh, you know, the writing is very cohesive and it's. Uh, it seems like it's one person writing, but there's obviously a lot of co-editing going on. And I was was just you know, curious to what the process is like to fleshing out not just a story like this, but a space opera, this whole universe where there's weird things going on, and that, the process and alliance of trying to figure out how this is a story is going to happen in this you know cohesive universe.
2: We, we occasionally have some knockdown, out fights. Oh. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> that wasn't an extra word. That was vital. <laughs> <laughs> it's the It's the extra
2: characters or the not extra characters yeah,
1: it's been mostly make it up as we go along, huh. um, which has worked out very well. I, I think it's helpful that the that universe is so large mm. that you know we haven't come to the ends of all the stuff that's going on in it, so that we we're not running out of space to put more things in mm. um. And so there is a lot of there is a lot of okay. What's the coolest thing we could possibly do next? I
2: know the Migo. Let's send yes. you the Migo.
0: <laughs> there you go.
2: How, the, how how the hell do we get out of this one? Um, <laughs> the Hounds of Tindalos. Mm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and and it helps because we're we're working from a from a common canon. Mm. Um, yes. We we have well, first of all, I I, I trust Sarah implicitly as, as a writer and as an editor um, even when I disagree with her she's she's one of the best writers I know and and we come we come with with similar backgrounds in terms of our reading and um, Except she's much more firmly grounded in the classics, and I'm a little more firmly grounded in in ancient science fiction. I think. Uh, I think <laughs> ancient and fair. hoary science fiction.
0: <laughs> like uh, 1950s, kind of ancient. Yeah,
2: nineteen yeah 1930s, <laughs> 1950s. But when we're when we're coming to this, since we're working from sort of the the absurdist. It's, it's 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 an absurdist Lewis Carroll take on HP Lovecraft I think hmm. yes that that allows us to sort of deconstruct both of them both of those worldviews hmm.
1: um, well because being stuck in Lewis Carroll's universe really would kind of be like be like being stuck in HP Lovecraft's it, you know <laughs> it's crafty yeah yeah I mean r- really when you stop and think about what it would be like it, it's it would not be pleasant.
0: Yeah, that's true. Sarah, like, isn't a Bandersnatch anything but a Lovecraftian kind of horror and nightmare? Yeah, well, sense?
2: yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, the snark was a boojum. I mean, that's yeah. that's totally mm-hmm. Lovecraftian. Um, yes. And Sarah is also very good at, at quirky and little unexpected twists and <laughs> weird stuff that plays. Like, the, the Archimites were just a throwaway thing in, in the first story. Hmm. And then yeah, she had and then she sort of blossomed it into all of this background of these these weird star traveling uh, prof- professors. I, th- I think it's uh, all of her uh, PhD trauma.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, the, the the wreck of the Charles Dexter Ward is all about the the, <laughs> the miseries of <laughs> academic infighting
2: <laughs> with reanimated corpses. Yes. <laughs> We, we we play off each other pretty well. Uh, I One of us will write something and get bored and send it to the other one, and then the other one will go through, edit what the first one has written, write her own stuff, send it back, and the first one will edit that entire mass of stuff, and then add something and send And And through this, basically, she takes out all of my complex compound sentences, and I take out all of her adjectives. And yes. then each of us puts about half of them back in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which comes out to a pretty reasonable balance, really.
2: Yeah. And thus is a unified style achieved, I
0: guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear uh, challenges whenever you're coming up with a universe, like the Bujin thing, like something in writing this, like, do you guys have disputes over, like, oh, you know what, no, Boojum sh- should be not a fish, they should be a crab, or something. <laughs> well,
2: you notice we never really described the Boojum. <laughs> <Not laughs> really, no. So
0: do the Do the readers fill in the gaps for you, or how does that work?
2: Well, we, we kind of wanted it to be, you know, an uh, indescribable deep space horror, and any time you, you, you concretize something like that, you make mm. it a little less impressive.
0: Right. Um,
1: oh. So, you know, the teeth... Oh. We concretize yeah. teeth.
2: It has teeth. It has tentacles. What more do you need to know? It has algae <laughs> in its skin that photosynthesize. Um, my God, it's been years and I can still remember the algae. That's pretty good.
1: That is pretty good. <laughs>
2: um, I think we both kind of play to our strengths.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we push, we sort of push for different things. So the the story that winds up happening emerges from the, um, emerges from From sort of the the, the tension between the hills Sarah's going to die on and the hills I'm going to die on. I'll be like, I don't know why we even have this character. What are they doing in the story? And she's like, we need them. And then eventually they'll turn out to be critically important. And I'll be like, oh, okay. (laughs) We needed them. And then sometimes I'll be like, why do we even need this character? And she'll be like, we don't.
1: We'll just save them for later.
2: Mm.
1: For all that, in some ways, we're very, very similar writers. In other ways, we're very, very different. Hmm. Um. And so Bear tends to make me write the arguments and I tend to make her write the big vistas of description because, you know, we play to our strengths.
2: Yeah, I, that's, that's actually very – Sarah writes the verbal arguments and I write the fight scenes.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Sarah totally writes the sex scenes, though. <laughs> oh, so <still> not true. <laughs> As I was saying – earlier, or was was about to say earlier, I think deep down, and, and Sarah can stop me if this isn't fair, um, Sarah's a horror writer and I'm a science fiction writer.
1: Yes, I think that's absolutely fair.
2: And we both love deep time and we love ancient yeah. history and ancient races yeah. and stuff that's been handed down and distorted over the centuries. Yes, But I, I don't exactly posit an orderly universe, but you tend to feel there are answers. I tend to feel that there are answers, even if we don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. That 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 I it, it, science works in my writing, and it does not work in Sarah's writing. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> we we hit this in in the Shadow Unit project too, which mm-hmm. is a thing we do with a bunch of other writers, oh. where it's it's science fiction horror, and and it actually works out pretty well because I keep trying to find answers to what's going on, and Sarah keeps introducing complications Damn you, and, Sarah. and then i'm like but that yeah. doesn't make any sense and she's like you're right <laughs> that's the other sort way that to think- one out bear yes
1: <laughs> the other way to think about it is the schrodinger's cat mm. in the box yeah. and bear wants to open the box and collapse the waveform and find out if the cat is alive or dead yes. and i want to keep the box closed as long as possible yes mm. So the, the the cat is neither alive nor dead, as for as long as I can manage it.
2: Mm. Yeah. And at a certain point, point I'm like, look, I'm starting to lose interest in the cat.
1: We have to open
2: the box. <laughs> Sarah's stories can look more like trees, and and I keep wanting to engage in a little topiary work. <laughs>
0: yeah uh but so I would love to hear like can you guys break down uh just for people I mean, people have heard the three stories you've created in this universe, but just like the badass interdimensional critters what who are we dealing with here these creatures and these people
2: yeah, there there's a um I mean there's definitely drawing a lot of inspiration from uh uh Frank Belknap long whose middle name I probably just mispronounced horribly uh <laughs> And, and his, uh, his Hounds of Tindalos, which are one of my favorite right. Lovecraftian monsters. Yes, um,
1: <clears> yes those are – I mean, those are the um, Bandersnatches.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> those and, are Hounds of Tindalos.
2: Yes, the Bandersnatches are basically Hounds of Tindalos. We just invented a life cycle. But, and
1: You know, the, the Migo are, are straight from H.P. Lovecraft. Right. That's, yeah. just, that's just absolutely <laughs> – no, really. That's just them. Was- Bujim, we did make up. Yeah. Although, sort of. Well, I mean, she has she has honorable antecedents. Yes, and and I've I've
2: been wanting to write some sort of a creepy space whale critter. Probably, probably stems from early reading of uh, uh, James White's Sector General there short you know. stories. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> creepy space whales are awesome, and and of course there's that whole everybody from uh, Chris Claremont to uh in, in the X Men to um uh I've completely lost his name, the guy who did Farscape have done the the enslaved spacefaring race thing and I think it's it's uh, it's it's fertile ground for ethical discussion
0: yeah yes. and you, you, you described them as whales i always think of them as, as like giant lantern fish
2: well, eh, they don't, well they don't really look like whales or fish or i mean they're they're tentacular tentacular horrors with giant mouths yeah that, that people um, live in i mean yes
1: yeah. i have no idea if she's a mammal or a reptile or what she is
2: yeah. she is
1: a creature that, that begins as a as a spore in the upper atmosphere of a gas giant
0: and grows bigger and bigger and bigger, bigger. And bigger. <laughs> do you do you think there are multiple of these uh, creatures in this universe floating around transporting? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. No, we know there
2: are. Yeah. we know there, there there are live ships and steel ships. That's that's established.
0: Yeah. Uh, do the live ships have an advantage over the steel ships in their uh, their flexibility and or their disadvantages to having you know being part well, of? Well,
1: oh. yeah.
2: They they may decide to eat you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a drawback. It, it, it is it is slightly and they also have their their life cycle wherein after a certain amount of time they're just going to want to keep going into interstellar space at which point they become less useful as um, passenger vessels. Yes. <laughs>
2: um at at a certain point they want to go off and uh uh find another solar system to to spawn in. Right. And uh well it it that's not real helpful to their crew. No, because it might take them a very long time to get there.
0: Yes. <laughs> so oh. these uh, these creatures that uh, infiltrate. What can you tell me about the the uh, about those those portals that are neglected by the bureaucratic bodies that we're you know looking at in Mongoose and other stories?
1: Well, we're assuming because we're working with the Hounds of Tindalos that yeah. there is another dimension alongside this one, and things from that dimension can get in, mm. and th- this is bad. They are antithetical. Ah, yes. All right. And predatory. Yes. But we also figured that because the boojums travel by warping space, um, that they weaken space. They weaken our space time continuum, making mm. it possible yes. for the um, toves, which are the little tiny, nasty. Like,
2: based somewhat off of those New Zealand glowing caveworms with the long, sticky tongues. Yes. They're really disgusting. Um, They they cluster on the roofs of caves and catch flying insects. Um, There are a lot of YouTube videos of these things.
0: It sounds So um, gross.
2: But, um, yes, they're they're yes. they're, they're cave worms from another dimension, basically. Right. But the 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 because these are a, a, like a natural parasite that bujums have. The bujums have mechanisms for cleaning themselves of these things, so the bujums don't actually get infested by them. Only steel ships get infested by them,
1: or space
0: stations. Oh, okay, or space
1: stations.
2: So where you have a lot of bujums coming and going, um, you you wind up with. You know, Eddie's in the space time, <laughs> con- time continuum. Oh, and this is his sofa. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. And and the toves can slip through, and the more toves slip through, the bigger the rip gets right. until eventually you get wrath. a full grown wrath. Yes. Yeah, a wrath you get a wrath and then a bandersnatch. And bandersnatches are really, really, really nasty. Yeah. They're, they're like alien queens, only faster and meaner. They both
1: were influenced by um, deep fundamental teenage crushes on ripley oh <laughs> hell yes the, the alien queen is is, is fundamental
0: <laughs> yeah the vaginal kind of you know just a thing about the the vagina that i think that's underplayed by the wraths is just
1: the uh, the wraths were kind of horrifying to write <laughs> uh that that i think was was one of sarah's bits
0: oh. yeah no that was my
1: fault i remember being awake way too early on a Saturday morning, writing that scene.
0: What, where Mongoose is tearing into the rafts? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hey, I produced that. I know what it's like to go through that scenario. It was it was very traumatic for me as well. Yes. But uh, my, Mongoose, the Cheshire,
2: um, I think maybe my my favorite of of our critters in those stories.
1: Yeah.
0: Cheshire's um, and yeah.
2: Her, her, her convoluted backstory.
0: Yeah, no. Cheshires are a, uh, a a certain species that's like small and nimble, and it's like a cat in a sense. Like I have a cat that's very much like a Cheshire. I think he's always demanding food, and you know he's he's a dick, but he's you know at the same time <laughs> you love him. He's always in your face. I don't know. <laughs>
2: cat monkey spider puss. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a it's it's an octopus except it's a cat, but it's also a spider and kind of a monkey. Yeah, um, yeah. And right. a parrot. My mom used to have parrots, and there's there's some of. Uh, some of Mongoose's behaviors are, are definitely uh parrots have very distinct personalities and they're That's very true.
0: intelligent. Yeah. Because Mongoose is such a hero, like an awesome kind of like you're scared of mongoose, uh, you think mongoose is badass at the same time. Uh you're kind of fascinated by the the Arkimers, like who are these people that are uh training these things and stuff. They and, are your fault. Are they? Okay. Okay. Then so,
1: I then I guess it's my turn. Um if I remember correctly, I was thinking about Miskatonic University. <laughs> and I was thinking about the fact that this is the this universe is one where where knowledge is not necessarily power and it's not necessarily a good thing to have.
2: Hmm.
1: And especially with, you know, the Necronomicon out there. And Presumably, there are other similar tomes in this universe that are dangerous knowledge and bad knowledge. Right. So that you would naturally come to be a little bit suspicious about people who are always searching for more knowledge. Um, but you would also have people who would be devoted to searching the, the quest for knowledge. Right. Um, and that got crossed in my head somehow with Generationship's. And um, the idea that instead of being instead of a university being um, something that people in their late teens choose to enter or not, that it's something that you 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 are born into, um, that it's a it's a it's a family, it's a caste, yes, right. caste, or it's you know, or I mean there are other. I was probably also thinking of the Romany. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the, tra- the traveling families that are viewed with suspicion by outsiders—only in this case, they're viewed with suspicion because they are on the quest for things that man was possibly not meant to know. Because this is Lovecraft.
0: Yeah.
2: But they also come in very useful because, yes, sometimes that you need to know the things that man was not meant <laughs> meant to know in order to yes. combat the horrors from beyond space and time. <laughs> exactly.
1: Rabbit hole that we will never escape from. <laughs> yes, once, once we'd thought of them, they were useful. Um,
2: it, well, they started as kind of a throwaway joke in Boojum. Yes, then they then they became a a useful plot element in Mongoose. And then by the time we got to Wreck of the Charles Dexter Ward, which we had been we had been threatening to write a story by
1: that title, but but that at that point. The Arkhamers were center
0: stage. Yeah,
2: my
1: favorite bit in
2: the wreck of the Charles Dexter Ward is is all Sarah, <laughs> uh, and she's she's also we we apparently take turns being the genius in the partnership. Yes, uh, I was the one who figured out how to get us out of the the unsolvable situation in Boojum. Yes, <laughs> and she was Wait, the one who figured the, what's out what's the
0: unsolvable out. situation in Boojum. Just so we can clarify that.
2: Uh, the unsolvable situation is how do we get Vinny... And Black Alice out of this situation. Oh,
0: you mean plot-wise, just like getting yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. So, and the, the the unsolvable situation in the wreck of the Charles Dexter Ward was why are there no no future ghosts right. that show anything good happening? Mm. And Sarah figured out how to get out of that one brilliantly. I might add. <laughs>
1: That's totally I, true. We take turns. Yes.
2: When Originally, Sarah had written the, uh, the the Away team as a whole new cast of characters. Yes, I have. Oh, okay. And I'm like, why aren't we reusing these characters we already have and that we're, we're attached to? Yes. Which is like, because then we'd have to kill them. And I'm like, that's the point.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: <laughs> we're, we're ruthless. Yes. We we like to cut bits off people. Fictional people only.
0: <laughs> we are so much looking forward to the uh, the next way that either... Uh, any publishing company or Drabblecast or anybody can convince you to write another story in this universe because we are going to be just freaking out uh, waiting to hear this. So I thank you so much, Elizabeth Baer. Oh, thank you. And, well, we we love
1: you. this. We love
0: these guys too. So
1: Yes, but we, okay. there's a lot of room left in that universe.
0: There really is, yeah.
1: So good night.
0: Good night, indeed. <laughs> I look uh, forward to buying fiction from both of you in the future.